This episode is with guest Susan Lipschitz, and she is the everyday medicine woman. Susan reminds us of what's beyond the mind's programming, our innate wisdom, and reawakening the divine feminine. In this conversation, she talks about what informs the universe and what is the Akashic Realm. So learn all about the Akashic Realm and Akashic Records here in this episode, as well as being a rainbow sheep. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Embody Podcast, a show about remembering and embodying your true nature, inner wisdom, embodied healing, and self-love. My name is Candace Wu, and I'm a holistic healing facilitator, intuitive coach, and artist sharing my personal journey of vulnerability, offering meditations and guided healing support, and having co-creative conversations with healers and wellness practitioners from all over the world. The Ally with Death Experiential is on sale until January 6, 2020. It's so fitting that in this episode, we talk about cutting the umbilical cords of what's not sustaining us anymore, that for a time, the umbilical cord is needed, and then there's a time to cut it off. So what needs to be cut off in your life? What needs to die? What needs to end? When we identify these and work with the energies, emotions, and sensations that are held in our bodies, then we can truly clear and cleanse out what needs to go to make space for new life, for vitality, rebirthing yourself, and what's life-giving and present. So if you want to get clarity for yourself or come back to your intuitive, sensing, playful self, check out the Ally with Death Experiential, which is an audio experience that's guided for you with moody and provocative music by Larry St. Germain and produced by Chris Spiegel. You can find it at candicewu.com slash death. You might consider giving it as a gift to yourself or to a loved one. And again, the sale is from now until January 6th, 2020. I first became interested in the Akashic Records when I learned Ayurveda, was studying Ayurveda, and um, sensed into that as something that was very familiar to me. And over time, I began to develop different gifts and skills in the intuitive or psychic realms, in awareness. And I thought, maybe it's time for me to learn that more formally. And so I worked with Vanessa Rodriguez, who is also a guest on this podcast previously, and she learned from Susan Lipschitz. So today is such a special day because Susan is here talking to us about the Akashic realm, her 25-year-old relationship with the realm and the records how they can be supportive to us and how the records hold everything that the collective has ever been through and where we are going. I love the way that she brings life and her vibrancy to this conversation. And I have just admired Susan from many different angles in how she brings people together in the language that she uses that's so juicy and provocative and invoking and in her way of relating with people. Susan is a licensed clinical social worker and has been a pioneer in the field of integrative psychotherapy, women's empowerment, and soul-level mentoring for over 35 years. 
Her consultations are tailored to the needs of the individual, offering a blend of innovative, deep therapeutic approaches with an expanded understanding of the greater self via an astrological and spiritual perspective. Susan invites a reclaiming of each woman's ancestral wisdom, inner guidance, and innate understanding of true beauty via a weaving of practices and teachings inspired by her many years of dedicated work with global wisdom keepers and evolutionary teachings. She's the founder of Everyday Medicine Woman and offers workshops, meditation courses, and retreats as well. So without further ado, here's Susan. Okay. Hello, Susan. Hi. Hi. How are you? Wonderful. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm very happy upon our recording right now. Mercury has just gone direct, and so that feels uh, like a wonderful boost. Doesn't it? It just feels, for me, it feels like um, some clarity, like things are settling and also like uh, moving. How is it for you? Well, I think... um, you know, the uh, experience of this, these, the, the retrogrades this year of 2019 have all been in water. So I think there's been very much an experience of, because Mercury, when it goes retrograde, is a process of unwinding and, and uh, ultimately renewal and a lot of what we hope will be clarity or information that can come forward. But because it's in water, I think it really takes us into more of the unconscious and more of the symbolic mm-hmm. and, um, deep uh, in the underground elements of ourself and then kind of having to transcribe those. And so I think with the crescendo having just been in Scorpio, which is very much the elements that we hide from ourselves, um, it's it's quite a deep, rich, mystical and healing journey. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for describing that, it that way. It really did feel for me like I was in some underbelly of myself and yes. then seeing things like, oh man. <laughs> Like, wow. Um, And so here we are, we've emerged out of that. And it's just beautiful to talk to you. I know um, we're going to jump into some Akashic Records today. But before that, um, I'm just chuckling at technology bumps in the road that we've had. And you just mentioned that sometimes when we talk about when you talk about Akashic Records, that that happens. And I, I experienced that too, when there's a big not just Akashic records, but like a big load of energy. That the that it's more difficult or interesting to record. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And technology just kind of crashes. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Patience is required. So much, right? Um, but Susan, it's a blessing to have you here. Uh, you, I, I've seen you as just anchoring the energy of of our ancient wisdom and the divine feminine, our mystical essence, bringing in that energy, but grounding it in a way that people can understand and take up in their modern and daily life. And you are the founder of Everyday Medicine Woman. And you also speak about bringing together the wisdom, the ancient wisdom of your grandmothers, of our grandmothers into our lives. And I wondered, how can we see threads of your own lineage and your grandmother's in your work today? Um, thank you. Thank you for, for um, focusing a little bit on 
ancestry. And I think, um, for me, it's been a process. And it's so interesting that I think sometimes for all of us, we are so close and so informed by the dynamics of our family. I know you do so much incredibly beautiful work around helping everyone heal from the impact of some of the uh, the experiences that we've gone through in our families that have resulted in um, obstructions and adaptations and, and some trauma, that it really creates challenge in knowing who we are. And so I think that's true with our, our lineage, that for many of us or our spirituality, that w- we're so close to the experience and the experience is often informed by the limitation or the struggles or the challenges that our families have gone through, particularly for those of us who are women, who have um, you know matriarchal lines that have all been informed by the journey of leaving homeland to come to where we live, which is the United States, although we listen to podcasts all over the world, and then informed by cultures mm-hmm. who that have denigrated and suppressed the feminine and marginalized. Mm-hmm. So I think about the challenge of really opening up to my ancestry had to do with me reanimating and being able to see everyone in there through that lens of understanding. And the way that I found myself back in to really appreciating them as guideposts and potential wisdom keepers was um, being able to work with uh, women, elders, and grandmothers from traditions and cultures other than mine, but who had unbroken relationships to themselves as being connected to ancient lineage. Ancient meaning um, something really beautiful in essence that kept us connected richly to ourselves as stewards of earth and connected to being able to dream in uh, a timeless way and being able to understand that we all carry a certain kind of innate kind of wisdom that if we harvest it, just like harvesting a garden or an orchard, it could become a remedy or feeding or serving of others, you know, our calling. So, um, so by me searching outside of my traditions, it allowed me to then come back in and start mm-hmm. to see the beauty as well as that which was out of balance for them and being able to invite some sorts of making peace with and doing ceremony on behalf of the wounds and the difficulties that they went through so that I didn't have the benefit of really seeing and feeling their power and their wisdom in an unobstructed way. It was more that I really felt the absence of it and searching for. Um, I would say the more particularly though, my grandmother, who I spent a, a tremendous amount of time, who was uh, immigrated from Russia um, and fleed and was an orphan and went through a tremendous amount of challenge. Um, but I experienced her. She taught me how to cook and she taught me how to um, laugh and she taught me uh, mm. just this, the sweetness of um, an experience of the preciousness of life every day. She really didn't share um, that element of her story, but she really lived um, what she created and what she forged. She was an Aries, so what she forged uh, in order to create an incredible family here in the United States. And I was lucky because I was the last of the grandchildren, and so she, I just had, had her to myself, and we spent a lot oh. of time together. It was really, really very sweet. So I think also... Um, really, as I say, doing my own healing work 
and appreciating it through the lens of the challenge that um, and the marginalization that the feminine has moved through has helped me to understand uh, and have tremendous compassion for the elements of what presented itself to me as an interception from a really strong sort of support of my own mother um, and being able to appreciate the gifts that she gave me and the gifts of her pain, because that also helped me understand my journey as well. It's beautiful. It feels so sweet to hear about your grandmother and that preciousness of life that she brings in the laughter. Yes, I can smell the chocolate as we <laughs> as we <laughs> made those incredible incredible cupcakes. Mm. Yeah, which I we still do those traditions that I did, you know, with my daughters when they were little too. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Wow. You have so many different layers, Susan, of your work, and I can just hear it even in that description. And the major piece I hear is bringing people to their essence and that connection that brings us into that wild, unknown and known self and harvesting everything we can for that. Um, and I'm curious, what's, what's alive for you in your life right now or in your work right now, your exploration and relationship with everything you're working with? Um, you know, it's interesting because I feel like I always, you know, life is a spiral, you know, in terms of a, um, a journey that we have. And so whatever we're meeting in a contemporary way, I think it can't help but open us up to elements of ourselves that we couldn't get to before we didn't have this, couldn't be on this part of the road. So we have hopefully, whether it's more maturity or we um, bring more perspective or we have more tools. Um, or a readiness, you know? So mm -hmm. I think that it's, it's just this experience of meeting, um, whatever's new for us in our lives and yet kind of then how it sequences or how it activates elements within ourself that can ultimately kind of you being a therapist also understand how people will come in and go, I thought I already dealt with this. And I'll kind of, I don't say mm -hmm. that anymore for myself because it's like, well, yeah, you know, <laughs> we meet ourselves. Yeah. In the um, <laughs> right. I, I remember times I used to say that too. And then yeah. it, it stopped because it was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Like, of course. Right. Um, and, and so it's, it's just fascinating for me in that way. But also, as well as my, whatever my personal themes might be, that I see this with my work as well, because, you know, there's just so many, like you said, layers to my work. And I think when I keep moving on my path, I keep re-encountering, oh yeah, that, that, that technique or, oh my gosh, that tool or this way that I can work. Cause I, I do so much as this, is this thematic work that we're all facing. And then how can we move into a ceremonial or a ritual place to help step into a collaborative? So we don't feel like we're passive in the process or we're reactive in the process, but we can say, how can I be interactive in what's happening in my life? What's happening in the world? And how can I collaborate with it, no matter how challenging it may be? And so there's, so there's that process. So I think what mm -hmm. I find fascinating for me is that I'll feel like I just keep evolving. And I don't mean that in any other way, except the work just keeps opening up and things that I'm excited or interested in. So it's, and then I find that, oh, yeah, this is really important to remember how meaningful it was to do this particular kind, like last night, I have a monthly women's medicine circle. And so um, it, last night we did some um, cord cutting ceremony, which really had to do with 
um, unwinding from what is not life sustaining anymore. And I sort of liken it to, you know, when you're in utero, your, your umbilical cord sustain, you know, connects you to the placenta, which is life sustaining. But when you come out of it, it's no longer life sustaining. It's, it's not supporting you. And so you cut mm-hmm. the cord and you connect the cord to something perhaps else. But I'm, so I think we have to do that over and over again and saying, mm-hmm. I need to now unwind from something that is not life sustaining anymore. That the myth is that it's been keeping us alive and I need it. But in fact, it's harming me. So, and there's that mm-hmm. intersection of how do we differentiate that? And so coming out of the Mercury retrograde and so forth. So it, my point being that for me personally, um, I just find mm-hmm. it so interesting, you know, to keep finding these, these, oh, there's this little tool in my toolbox, like Batman, you know, it's like, oh, there's this cool little gizmo in my, in my, in my uh, <laughs> pack that I can use again that I forgot I had. And, and that's so fabulous. And let's, let's work with this. Um, and let's work yeah. with this in the construct of we're working with astrology and we're working with our everyday lives and we're working with what's happening, but there's a, there's something that will help us move through it, you know? So, so I'm ever um, grateful for mm-hmm. the time that, um, you know, that I spent in that deep sort of, um, practice of learning and I'm always learning and I'm always growing and I always feel like, oh, I'm a beginner again because we're beginning every day with the rising sun. And yet at the same time, there's some developed understanding that we can work with as well. So I think what's, what's, what I find is really fascinating and beautiful. And I feel very called to is working on an individual level with clients, with, um, working collaboratively with more innovative, um, entrepreneurial, Kinds of spaces, working with um, larger groups of intentional community and retreats and so forth. However, we gather is this interface around where our life is right now and how to honor it. And then how do we tap in and how do we expand out for information, for understanding, for a re- reset and a perspective that in a very timeless, a very timely, and a very um, a deep reference point of historical, in a sense. So we go to a timeless place to discover past, present, future from a very different perspective. So we can move back in, like I said, as co-creators. Mm-hmm. And so what I find two maps that can really help us do that um, is through uh, astrology and through um, the Akashic realm or the Akashic experience. And so I... I've been finding, particularly in working in, individually with people, um, if they're open to it, is working with opening up their Akashic records while also having their chart available through um, collaboratively. So I don't work with people as a one-shot consultation because mm-hmm. I find too much people just passively want to walk in the space and say, well, what are you going to tell me? And then it's almost like, uh, prove to me that you you can move into these spaces more like a psychic reading and then I can step mm-hmm. out of the space if I don't like what I hear. <laughs> That's really not, I think it's, it's really deeply about collaboration productive. that I don't know anything more than you know. My whole hope is to help you remember what you've forgotten or what you don't have access to. And so me having access to the material can help you remember and have access to yourself. So it's, it's really one of, of working together and having this incredible experience of, the following the breadcrumbs or putting together this, mm-hmm. you know, weaving the dots um, uh, of your story. 
in a much bigger way so that we take it back into our everyday lives. And I think this is true in different ways with women in particular in our lost ancestry as a collective. Um, and then understanding the power that we have now that we've never had before and how to use it wisely as leaders and stewards and a different way of collaborating with that maternal energy. Um, and, you know, s- systems too, because astrology shows us in big trends how the systems are all collapsing. And so we have to create new structures. And um, how do we do that? I really find that really, really powerful and enjoy it very much to uh, feel compelled that it just has so much information of value to us. Oh, and I think yeah. People are feeling that too. I think so. And, and, you know, people that I previously have known to maybe just not even look in the direction of astrology uh, have been coming up with in themselves, just like, well, what if I look? Oh, wow, that matches what happened yesterday. And it, it's it's this fun, delightful place that people are awakening this to this as a tool. Some people, not everyone, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Um, but I'm fascinated with this crossover, this collaboration, partnership of Akashic Records and astrology. And I want to hear more about that. And before we go there, um, would you describe your relationship or your understanding of Akashic Records, especially for people out there that are just learning about it or want to know more and want to know from your view? Oh, sure. Yeah, that's really all I have is my view. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I'd love to, and I say I'd love to, meaning I, I struggle with the words because it is something that is outside of, of our mind. And I think one of the beautiful parts of Akashic um, work, which I will do my best to sort of give a glimpse of some way of our, our creating a bridge for that, is that I think mm-hmm. it lives in the space of wanting us to update our, our mind so that our mind can start to have a capacity to understand what our experiences that transcends the mind. So really what I'm saying is, is that I think many of us, and I think we find this a lot, especially when we start to do this work around heart-centered work or our, or soul level work or this experience of what meditation and mindfulness and, you know, kind of ex- in that level of what we experience that is beyond what the mind can, mind has a program for, mm-hmm. uh, that we need to find a way to have a divine mind, to have that cosmic consciousness it, that lives in our individual ability at the mental level so that we can hold what it is we're coming to understand in a non-ordinary way that we can then help us move through our lives without having to struggle and keep repeating all these challenges and all these things that create suffering mm-hmm. for us because we can't translate them into uploading them as it relates to belief systems. I don't know if that makes sense, but a lot of times we'll go through this incredible healing or we'll get a different understanding at a, like we get it, it's the best way I can put it, but then our mind gets in there, our beliefs get in there, that voice Uh, gets in there, right? Fear, doubt, um, unworthiness. And then if we don't update those, so we can do them with beautiful techniques of, of, um, you know, kind of working with shifting those through mantras and through, you know, kind of rewiring and all of that, that. But I think that if we can upload the basis and the premise of at the mental field, at the meta, 
how we're holding our understanding. So it even goes beyond our, our beliefs and attitudes are informed by a deeper understanding, a deeper knowing. Kind of like mm-hmm. um, I, at once we see something that isn't just in the brain, but it's really we really take it in and digest it, um, we change it. We're not connected to it in the same way. Like even if you took a hike and you didn't know how to get somewhere, but you finally get somewhere and then you see where you've gone, the map inside goes, oh, I get it now. And it might take me a little while to remember it, but now I understand where the route is. And I understand what it looks like when I'm on the other side of it. And I can hold that image of that bigger field, like when I'm up there, so that when I go back down, I remember where the journey really led and how beautiful the vision is, or you know, the visual mm-hmm. field is, the panorama of it. And also, there's another element to it, too, where it's not only the information of what we receive that we hold. More than that, it's the vibrational frequency, which gets into more, uh, you know, our, um, esoteric concepts. But it's like when we've, when we have created a shift inside of ourselves, um, we just feel things differently. So when our heart opens, yeah, right. So mm-hmm. it, we feel things differently, and through that, then it helps us comprehend what we're going through. Just like when we're children and our cognition up, you know, we go through a big growth spurt in being able to go from concrete, meaning right and wrong, into more abstract thinking and holding concepts. And it's the same thing. I think that the records or the realm of, of the Akashic, its design is such that we mature our minds so that we can hold concepts that we've been trying to when we're meditating or we're trying to um, move past some old thinking. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's like... It feels what you're saying is that it's um, designed to support us in more than just what we've fed most of our experience through the mind and into all the ways that we can perceive, know, and experience and see. Exactly. Exactly. And um, so the way that I, I got drawn into it because I was doing, I was going through my own spiritual awakening and I was sort of running around, um, uh, experiencing everything. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. like a, you know, and not digesting it, of course, at all. But one, <laughs> one of the, <laughs> like a feeding frenzy and it's like, ah. Um, let's get, let's have a buffet of life. <laughs> exactly. Um, I get it. Is, yeah. So I, um, I was, I, re- I received a few Akashic readings and it wasn't so much, I can't quite tell you what I heard. I can tell you what I felt. And what I felt mm-hmm. was the most expansive love other than having my children, um, the most expansive love. I would say it's a similar field of, um, of just pure source love of through this experience and then holding it. It, it was really, um, an attunement that allowed me to have a different level of calm through my experience and a, mm. a different sense of understanding that drew from whatever, whatever doors opened that I walked through. And so then I was just sort of like, oh, I really want to keep doing this and I'd like to learn this for myself. And then I thought if there was a way I could learn this to be of service to um, other people, that that would really be something I would love to be able to do. So that's what I did. So I've been working with the records over 25 years and I find that the work is, is just tremendously, there's always some golden seeds that open up through the readings for other people. And I can't really um, kind of, I have no idea what's going to happen when we open the records and, and in the mm-hmm. sense that I, we, we'll see where it 
where that information wants to go, but that it in some way informs some sort of assistance for someone on the journey that they're on. It kind of creates a fast forward in a sense to get to the heart of something that they have felt nodded by. And there's um, someone that I work with who's a teacher in astrology, and he um, uh, speaks about, because he's a therapist and a beautiful, deep evolutionary astrology um, instructor um, in a really rich way, and he articulated the same thing I experienced in the Kashik, which is we open up the field, it's a field of love. And when we open up a field of love in the space of healing, then there is a safety and there is access to an overcoming of some obstruction or not, whether it's a karmic knot from a past life, whether it's it's um, uh, an episode or an encapsulated kind of traumatic or obstruction in this life, but it allows for a, permea- a permeability into understanding that then we can open it up more. And we can have, uh, and the person can feel more capacity to understand and through the deeper understanding, not just knowing, you know, like, oh yeah, I, re- I know my story, but in the felt mm-hmm. experience beyond that from a place of compassion um, can ha- offer a sense of self-healing to it, which I remark in that as well. I feel that as well. It's beautiful. Yeah, it is very, very beautiful. Well, and when you're saying that the umbilical cord, just like referencing back to that, yes. I feel almost like the way you're describing it, it's like taking taking your essential cord and plugging it back into source, the source Perfect. that you are, yes. and the love, and it yes. just reminds and it, yeah. Yes. Lovely. And so, yes. And, and so I want to also like say, just as you're talking about that, for those individuals who've been to Peru, what's again really beautiful about Peru, uh, and there's many places in the world where there's been an unbroken relationship to ourselves as humans that are natural, part of na- our nature and our cosmic. So when you're in Peru, for example, the, the word Pachamama, which is mother, but it's cosmic mother because Pacha is time and Mama is mother earth. So there's, there's the, some of the teachings is your umbilical cord at some point in your life shifts from your human mother to your spirit mother. So you always, mm. when you start ceremony, you think Pachamama and all the time and you're doing all these despachos, which are, um, these beautiful offerings, which I had this benefit of learning how to do. And they're just so exquisite and simple. But the idea meaning is that let's rearticulate and re-reference ourselves like our GPS that our, our our umbilical cord goes down to be fed through Pachamama. But Pachamama Earth is also living in space in the universe and the universe is informed by cosmic consciousness. So cosmic consciousness has an intention and that's where we're sourcing the records from is this divine intelligence that has an intention for us. The intention is that we Remember that we're loving, that we have uh, an intention to evolve, and that we're part of this evolution to grow. So it's not just universe. So when we, like a lot of people will say, oh, the universe is guiding me, or I'm letting the universe move through me. And it's like, okay, but what informs the universe, right? And so what mm-hmm. informs the universe is a, a divine intelligence, cosmic consciousness that's almost saying, 
we love you earthly beings and we want you to evolve because we're in this beautiful construct where if you don't evolve, we don't evolve. So we're kind of moving backwards. I know this is sort of wild, but we're moving backwards to move I love forward. It. No, so it's get perfect. it together. And this is what was uh-huh. really going on around um, the, the, the Mayan calendar, um, where 2012, we're all like, oh, is the earth going to fall apart? You know, is all these things going to happen? And it's like, um, it really had to do with the Mayans are, cos- are timekeepers. And so when you learn about the calendar, the calendar is all about time. And it's an incredibly complex system of time that keeps repeating itself and then in this compound way moving forward very much like our compound where we call the compound trauma memory or the compound memory of our soul so around 2012 that was the whole notion was that when some people prophecies were talking about is that hey we've been here before and we blew it so we're uh. in the process we're in the right we're in the we're in the eye yeah. of the needle where we've got to go through the eye of the needle so where are we now we're in going into the next decade where everybody's going, Hey, we've got like nine, 10 years, or we are going to have, um, an environmental apocalypse. And it's not to scare people. It's just saying we've moved away from our consciousness of understanding of our responsibility to our land and our earth. We, our technology grew faster than our awareness. Shamans in, we'll talk about, we just didn't dream into our dream, the understanding that we were earth keepers too. So now we have to include that into the dream. So you see how it all weaves mm-hmm. together. So it's it's collective as well as it is individual. And that's where we're at the that like fast forward into this place of saying, and that's where young ones, which is why Greta Thurberg and all of these earth guardians are coming forward at 13, 15, 18, why we're seeing people coming in with children that are anxious and depressed. And so everyone's going, why are they anxious and depressed? It's like, well, they're waking up every morning to their future, which is they don't have one. They're seeing the earth Mm -hmm. blowing up and on fire. They're seeing that there's no clean water. So they're saying, hey, I'm going to step forward and it's my earth. And so I have to, you know, I have to take care of this because you've all forgotten. Mm -hmm. So it's really sad. It's admirable, but really sad that our leaders are these 15 year olds saying, okay, we're going to take the leadership. That plugs into where Chiron is, which is in Aries in the world right now. Chiron is the, in astrology is the, the wound. The planet Chiron speaks to the wound and the rem- remedy of the wound. And it's just gone into Aries and Aries is forging action, um, leading. It's an initiatory energy. It's, cha- it launches the spring. So these are warriors coming in saying, you know, the heck with you. Let's go. We're not waiting mm-hmm. for, we're not going to grieve this anymore. We're going to take action. So you see, it all leads together Absolutely. in why we're where we are and why. In Hong Kong too. Correct. And all the young people that are just. Taking to the streets. Relentless. Yeah. And, and beautifully yes. collaborating with each other. It's, um, yeah, this is, I love this description of it. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. intergenerational piece of this where we have. Mm-hmm. Elders that have lost their voice. That's why when I started working with the International Council of 13 Indigenous Grandmothers, they were saying, we're only doing this to awaken you to the wisdom of the lost wisdom of eldership. You have, you have marginalized eldership and put them into places, warehouses and forget them. And elders have all this. They're like time capsules of this incredible knowledge Mm -hmm. and that we have just discarded. 
because they don't have anything that we feel is of value to our culture. So when we start to reanimate that, we start to reanimate, you know, everything. So we need that intergenerational wisdom instead of youthing our world, right? So, so getting back to the Akasha records, um, we can see the value of how by piercing the veil of time and how by resourcing a, a memory field of understanding of ourselves, our past lives, our multi-dimensional self, who we are to one another, who we are to the world, our mission, all those things that we reawaken. So, how we sort of find it in a way, or where has it been? It's really fascinating because, so I liken it to when people used to ask me about, like, how do you describe the records? I would be fumbling along because when I started working with it, the, you know, the internet and the World Wide Web was just starting. And -hmm. now, of course, that's our whole life. So I say it's very similar to the cloud. (laughs) Yeah. So when people go, well, what's the cloud? And how do I get on? Really, what is in my cloud? And everything's stored in my cloud. And I go, voila, the records. So we have these, we, are, we have a cloud and the cloud is up there, but how do we connect with it? And so by opening up and attuning and learning how to connect to this vibrational frequency of the Akasha, we can um, access our cloud. And then we download it and we upload. So there you go. So, and then we keep getting upgrades. <laughs> so our life yeah. lessons in some ways are the upgrades. Like, you know, we don't, we simply cannot handle, carry all of that information and it's connected to collective information. So we're really doing that. So, um, when we, so when you Google the records, there's a lot of material like everything else, but there are people who have independently discovered, so to speak, this beautiful experience. And it's not exclusive to the Akasha. I mean, really beautiful wisdom teachers that we love that throughout all the ancient traditions or all the spiritual traditions or have spontaneous experiences and are they able to, what for lack of a better word, we'd say channel, are tapping in if they're very, if they have very clean energy. And I think part of it is you, yeah, you have to find a way to grid the space. That's right. You know, so that, because a lot of times we're bringing in like when we start to tune in, we can bring in a lot. It's like I kind of look at it as in the old days when we had radios where we had to turn the dial, you know, mm-hmm. or the old ham rec- radio where we had a radio wave into the real frequency, we'd get a lot of static. When we're starting to open up to psychic realms, for lack of a better word, our intuition, we get a lot of static, and that creates actually a lot of a lot of difficulty for us because that's when we start to actually pick up other people's stuff or material that really isn't ours or material of pain that's on the, there's such a deep amount of pain and anxiety in the world today. And so we have to lift beyond it, like on an airplane, we have to keep going up. So if we lift to a frequency where it is at a causal level, where it's beyond karma, where it is free choice, free will, that's the Akashic. It's really pure love, pure source, but we have to learn how to do it. And then we have to stay there. And then we open up to a frequency. Then that that space really protects us then from bringing in a lot of extraneous material, including our own, you know? So I think that's the process of refinement. Yeah, absolutely. I was, that does bring me to that, the question, how is this similar or different to, for lack of better word, other psychic gifts and intuitions and clear abilities. And I think that that does answer that to some degree. It's, it's about the refinement and which space you're tapping into. Would you say more? 
Exactly. Exactly. And that's, yes, yes. And so, so again, I, I think in terms of looking at source, I mean, there, there are just so many kinds of ways in which we see when we start to look for this material or this understanding all the way back to the Christ consciousness and that sense of when Christ or the, the, um, I, I'm not well versed, but the lost years that people speak up around that, the journey of, of this, um, ascension that was perhaps kind of merging with the Akashic field or light so that then this individual of, uh, could hold a sense of that deep kind of love and understanding that then came back to teach. Um, but there were around the turn of the century was really when a lot of like Rudolf Steiner and the, Theosophical Society and that movement and, um, Europe in particular in, in, you know, United Kingdom coming to the United States that where it was more, um, looking at spirituality and esoteric teachings and then bringing it in that we see a lot more writing because there's a lot of oral tradition that then transcends, you know, starts to anchor into the wisdom traditions. And Edgar Casey did a ton of work, you know, around, um, the Akashic field and the Akashic records and reading. Um, and his um, teachings and his books that he wrote. But the person that I think is just um, a, an incredible uh, archivist and uh, uh, individual who's brought through so much around the Akashic realm and the Akashic teachings is Irvin Laszlo. And he's in his 90s and he's written something like 70 books. And if you I had the pleasure wow. of um, being in his presence a, a couple of years ago. I have many of his books. Um, he's extraordinary. And um, he, uh, if you read about him later, but he was like a child prodigy and uh, music and, and then led him to this um, interest in thought field and then systems theory and uh, quantum thinking at a time where no one was really speaking about this and starting to encounter the Akashic realm and then started to uh, look throughout the world and and cultivate people's experiences and and really decipher this. A lot of people who are very very driven in terms of science, so mathematicians can really understand this once they move into a quantum level. And scientists, so it's that science spirit sort of you know esoteric spiritual mm-hmm. arts and science arts um, in that way. But he would talk about a unified field that then played a fundamental role and then bringing it down. Um, so one thing that he spoke about, and I'm just going to give a little quote, it's from one of my favorite books called The Akashic Experience, Science and the Cosmic Memory Field um, by Irvin Laszlo. And this is actually what he did is he did a foreword and then he has edited chapters from all of these extraordinary teachers around their spontaneous experience with the Akashic you know, in their lives. And so it's really, really a lovely, rich Beautiful. sort of book. But he talks about that, you know, when we think about the Akashic as, again, this cosmic memory field. So he says around the cosmic role and encompassing reality, the unified field is a rediscovery of the ancient concept of Akasha. In ancient India, the Sanskrit word Akasha meant cosmic sky, similar to our concept of space. But Akasha refers not only to space in a modern sense, but also, and above all, to the higher sphere of life and existence. The Hindu seers believed that all things arise from and redescend into the cosmic source they call Akasha. It was seen as the first and most fundamental of the five elements. So air, yes. earth, water, fire, the Akasha 
embraced and held the properties of all five elements and was believed then to conserve the traces of everything that ever happened in space and in time. The Akasha is the enduring memory of the cosmos, the Akashic record. So when you jump off from that, you see that it holds everything that we've ever been through and then everything that the collective has ever been through and and where we are going. And then the notion, the predication of the Akasha is that when you come in to a space, so if we think about moving through like a biosphere into a newosphere, which is the thought field, thought realm, then into this Akashic, it is above all the struggles we've been through. And it takes us to a causal level where we're creators of free choice, free will. Like Eric Artoll talks about the power of now. You can be in the pain body or the dream body. So if you step into possibility in that field and you start to look at everything, you start to see, do I really have to keep suffering or can I move into knowledge? And through knowledge, can I free what I've been through so that when I move back in with this understanding, I can then start to navigate myself from this place as co-creator? It doesn't mean all our challenges aren't difficult. It's just a new classroom to move through with them and to start to see all the material we're looking for. So I don't know if that helps explain things, but it, I love that notion of cosmic sky and that we carry that in. And then it sort of makes sense that the missing piece for us is that our minds are really caught in a meta journey of what we've learned in our three-dimensional world, right? And what the constructs mm-hmm. and what we've learned about how we're supposed to move through life and who we are and what our limitations are and what our families mean. And and then we start to move up to a whole different level and we take that understanding down and we we can start to work with it in a collaborative way where it doesn't have such a hold on us to limit us, to limit our thinking, Then, then, which is why I think we collapse when we go into these beautiful spates of healing and we go, oh my God, I feel so free. And then like something comes in and says, ah, remember, you don't know how to do this. Remember, you're not as empowered as you think. Remember, you come from a family that, you know, um, believes that we're all strugglers or, you know, that we're still carrying all that suffering, right? Yeah, yeah so it's, this it's, outer it's world like that's it, been constructed around it. <laughs> exactly, the limited thinking that mm-hmm. then draws us back in. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know if that helps. Absolutely, and I was really curious about the bridge. Well, not the bridge, but you know, I'm so glad you brought up the Sanskrit word akash and the the essential meaning of that. And you know, I've studied Ayurveda some and Yoga Tantra and. I haven't really studied the Akash very much, even though that's been a part of things. But I love this piece of what you're bringing and this definition of it makes so much sense. And I, I'm curious, to me, it feels like there might, well, maybe this is just fed through the mind stuff, you know, that there's some sort of gap between where the knowledge began, or at least uh, we think it did, um, through ancient India, you know, through people seeing this, seeing and sensing and being in this realm, making contact with it as their way of being. And the way it's come delivered to maybe the Western, more Western world that it seems newer to. 
do you feel like there's a, a gap there or, or do, what, what is in between that space of time? I think what's be, well, I think it was a loss of appreciating the sacred in order to build, um, what we also needed, you know, mm-hmm. you know, every, I don't think this is, is exclusive to, uh, I think that there are many teachings where we see, I was just mentioning, for example, earth honoring teachings, where whether it's the, in North American traditions, whether it's in South American, so the Americas, whether it's in African, whether it's in Middle Eastern, whether, you know, all the points of the world, because America is such a, other than the indigenous, the native to earth, to America, you know, America is a young country, an industrialized country in that way. But um, mm-hmm. I think we don't want to romanticize ancient teachings because there was also a great deal of challenge um, in those ways as well. But I think in terms of the understanding, I think that there was, when we, when we were living more by the land and we were living more by, um, this is where I guess moon cycles and astrology comes in, when you look at every single culture, every mystical but also just culture, when you go to sacred sites around the world, there's always a place where you see that there was a respect for and a charting and a marking where the moon was, where Venus was, where the sundials, you know what I'm like, observatories, Mm -hmm. because they lived by charting and tracking the moon cycles, the planting, um, you know, all the, the solstices, the equinoxes, everything was in relationship to the cosmic to the sky in order to live. So there was a respect for the fact that we living, even we didn't understand what all the different nuance about the earth, but we knew we lived and in order to live on the earth, we had to appreciate and respect the sky, right? The cycles, the cycles of life Mm -hmm. and to be connected to that. And we lived in a way that was more symbolic in that sense as well. So Every single tradition, when you go to the petroglyphs or you look at all the signs, right? So the Northern Isles of the Ruins, or you look and you go and you see all of these symbols. And what I love when I teach in the records, I tell everybody that, you, that everything is held in the records. Everything's held in the realm. So the more you open up to your symbolic mind, so you open up to where do you see symbols everywhere? Everywhere you look, like when you're in parts of the world and you look at the weavings or you look at their art. Everything in there is embedded, their story through symbol. So we start to open up and see that the signs that we really want to remember to that, like you talk about the bridges that are lost. Um, because as we got more logical, right? As we got more as our maps had to do with logic and reason and schooling and education, even though there was something really interesting, right? To learn and to create a common language. That's and to grow to say, yeah, the earth's not flat. I mean, there's beautiful ways we start Mm -hmm. to meet each other, and there's ways in which we can have technology and we don't have to, you know, use our as much as we can carry the water in a little place. We can start to pipe the water in and move the water, right? So, there, there really are beautiful advancements that resulted in us becoming interested in learning and growing and building. It's just that we lost, we had a disconnected value that started then to become archaic and old-fashioned and superstitious and then scary. So the other piece, why did we lost this, mm-hmm. is that people of mystical power, at first, like you would see, you know, that these were the seers, right? These were the ones that were on the, 
the court that would always say, okay, bring mm-hmm. in the prophecies or bring in those who could bring in the remedies, bring in the, you know, and then they became scary. They started to, and that was religion, that was modern religion started to say, no, no, you've got to cut these people off because they're bringing in, they're bringing in uh, uh, dark forces because then people wanted to control people. So it was really a journey of power and diminishing the sacred and diminishing the esoteric and diminishing the women. It was the women and the indigenous that all got thrown under the bus, that they became out, ousted, right? So we all, if we all have mm-hmm. past lives of this mastery, we also have the past life memory of when we, when we were sent out of the garden, so to speak. So, so this is right. part of the retrieval, right? So it's, that's why we mm-hmm. don't believe in it. So we have to open up all of our fear around it. And we have to realize that in, in the mystery, in the esoteric, in the signs, when we let our mind open up to the symbols, we start to open up and we start to bring it into the logical mind that can transcribe it. And then we have the opening of the bridging, if that makes any sense. And it mm. all, it's political, yeah. it's religious, it's, it, right? It's spiritual. Yeah, it's everything. And it's, it's everything. It's the Akashic. It holds it all. That's when I love it yes. because, you know, I've done so much training myself in all these different traditions. And then I walk in the Akashic and I go, yeah, it's above gender. It's above lineage. It's above, like, it's everything. And so then you as an individual can find your own, you know, ancestry, your own belief system, everything that you want is inside of there, but it's held in a much bigger way. So we just really can take off in some ways all the rules and move into a space where the only rule is intention, is that you're, you're really seeking highest and that you're coming from, I know, a very, very um, clear understanding of love and truth. So it's, it's that that sort of guides us. So I do a two-pronged process where I do Beautiful. a preamble, so to speak, that has to do with um, where we're operating from and, and bringing that attunement of the Akashic field into our bodies. It's because the body holds our record when we're human in our cells, and then opening up the records of this like library. And a lot of us will go places in the world where we can feel that spontaneous experience, kind of like we're having this download of everything. And that's because those are those places that have not had so much dense sort of, you know, rebuilding or a diminishment. Mm-hmm. You know, so places, it can be just our own backyard, but it can also be places that are sacred sites. So like if we go to Machu Picchu or we go to the Himalayas or we go to uh, Chichen Itza or we go, you know, to the waters of certain places, wherever it might be, that we can feel where there's this intersection between um, the sacred and the intersection between the nature and the holding of that that bridge. That's so wonderful. Thank you, Susan. I know you felt it. I mean, you travel so much. Yeah, I do, and it's um, it's lovely to hear you speak in this in this way about the Akash. I. For me, it wasn't until recently that I experienced the Akash, like had a relationship with it in a more formal way, I guess, mm-hmm. through through the like explicit understanding of it. But I have come to find it in myself in other ways, in my own gifts. And so mm-hmm. it's nice to have that match up and also refined in ways by learning from you and other people. And yeah, I've definitely had 
my experiences of going to places and feeling the energy of that space that can bridge something for me or show me another piece of something. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we have this awakened experience and then Mm -hmm. the challenge is um, somehow integrating it because it's a much higher frequency. And so Mm -hmm. then bringing it to a much denser frequency, which is our bodies and then, you know, our emotional realm and our, our psychological or our thought field. So to be patient in letting that kind of start to move through and not blow our systems out, but to just be, (laughs) just to, to let it come down uh, the mountaintop and then, you know, like, remember, you know, of course, it's like the Charlton Heston version of the Ten Commandments, but, you know, he would come down with like white hair and his, you know, it's like, you know, sandals are blown up or something, you know, it's like the sense of, yeah, you're putting your finger (laughs) in a live wire and it's like, oh. I do experience that sometimes though, like some download and I'm like, whoa, it feels like my hair is shooting out from my head, you know. (laughs) Yeah, 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 I explained to my family, I'm like, I, I just got a download of something and like do you ever feel this i just feel like all this energy moving through my body and they're just looking at me like no <laughs> you're like oh there's a cra- our crazy family member yeah um, but they kind of get it people, that that's me that's mm-hmm. you and i reframe mm-hmm. it like people say i was always the black sheep like oh no you're the rainbow sheep you know you're like oh, you're like the luminous the rainbow. sheep oh, <laughs> rainbow luminous sheep um but yeah it's and i will tell people when you're st- for sure when you're starting to work with this you need to uh, definitely be taking like magnesium and electrolytes and, you know, definitely ground yourself and move through because you can burn out your nervous system. And then because you are working at a, again, this is more the esoteric speak that can sound, you know, like, Oh my God, this person. Um, But, you know, getting back into, (laughs) I think a more generalized way when you're saying about bridges, I think more people, certainly when they're doing yoga, we have more conversation than we've ever had about chakras. So I would pair for everybody. When you're at the fifth chakra, because you think about the first three chakras are personal chakras, the fourth chakra is a bridge between personal chakras, interactive chakras, that's the epicenter, right? But then from the heart chakra, when you go up to the fifth chakra, which is felt to be, so if the first chakra is earth and the second chakra is water and the third is fire and the fourth is, you know, air, the fifth is ethers and ether is the Akashic because the fifth mm-hmm. chakra holds that gateway, not only to our voice, but also up to the ascendant, so the sixth and the seventh, which means it's the time where we start to have our relationship to our divine self, to our master guides, to knowledge itself. So the Akashic is a more rarefied air, just like ethers. It's a, it's like when we're up in the mountaintops and we have that rarefied air where we have like, you know, we can have um, altitude sickness, but it's the higher altitude where there is just, you know, it's almost like, you know, when you're at those places where you're touch, literally touching clouds. Mm-hmm. And so when you can think of it and the chakra system, and you think about when you're working with your fifth chakra, even though we talk about it, the repression of the voice and opening up our authenticity and our integrity, all of that is true. And it's opening us up to the cosmic currency. So that's the real gateway to the Akashic. And so you can see it really simply when you, if you're familiar with the with the chakras, it's a way to place mm-hmm. it on your body map. Mm-hmm. That's lovely. Thank you, Susan. Yeah, and I want to yeah. hear about um, your upcoming retreat. Oh, absolutely. So now we're going into another, yeah. another area where <laughs> Shift I gears, I did that kind of um, quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, yeah. yes, another um, layer. 
another layer. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I have an annual, um, uh, there's many different ways that I create, um, in, for lack of a better word, intentional communities. Um, and you know, my, my passion and my commitment and my dedication is, is really to, um, the healing, empowerment and evolution of, of the feminine, um, as a sacred activator, so to speak. And so, mm-hmm. um, one of the ways that I really love to do that is do a deep dive where we can have a space to step out of time like the Akashic and do some work together as a community, as a collective and really hold space for each other and have this magical, you know, experience that is, is one where we can shift something inside of ourselves. And so this is our 20th annual gathering and it had uh, experiences of different locations and we're repeating. We went last year to Santa Fe and we're returning to Santa Fe. And actually I have a, a, a something that I wrote about that I'm going to have on my blast this, uh, that'll be coming out at this point. It will have already been out. Um, but it has to do with, um, why I have such a, you know, my individual experience that's so special with Santa Fe. Uh, mm. from an Akashic point of view, we all have places that are very, that we have agreements or soul connection with. And so for me, one of those places is, is Santa Fe, New Mexico. And so this will be a retreat and it's a, repeat, a retreat coming up from April 30th to May 3rd. And women that are interested in this can just hop on my website or through Instagram on Linktree. There's a link right there. Facebook also has a Facebook event. Those are platforms you can find me. Um, and so it's just going to be a beautiful three day, like Thursday night to Sunday afternoon. This particular theme is the, um, that has to do with liberating our soul voice, which is very timely from what we were just talking about. And, um, and so it's a, it's just going to be a really beautiful time to be together and to do some meaningful work thematically that then allows us some ceremonial processing and process and individual and collective work. And, um, also I love to take us to places where, because a lot of women don't have a lot of money. And so this is sort of a vacation too. So we do a lot of work, but we do it. We're also taken care of. So the land is really incredible. And, um, the food is really great and the beds are really mm. wonderful. And, you know, so we just feel nurtured and nourished. So you don't only leave spiritually fulfilled and feel really animated and activated to bring forth what you've learned about yourself and your, what you want to bring forth in your world and your family and your life. But also you feel a real deep sense of restoration for your physical self and, um, and self care, which is women were just, you know, we can leak so we can do a lot of massages and stuff, but we have to really go into the source of ourselves to start to feel like we can hold the nourishment. And I feel like we really do that. So anybody who's interested in that, I'd love to have you come. So, you know, if we still have spaces, please just jump in and grab one and come be with us. That sounds beautiful, Susan. And it's your 20th year of doing this 20th retreat year 2020 2020 i know they just can't help but you know with the mental idea of 2020 and vision seeing new decade it's a new decade to move into yeah beautiful this has been amazing to have you talk about everything you talked about today it's it's very inspiring and opening is there anything else you'd like to share today um, I just really appreciate taking the time to um, speak with you. And I really want to honor you for the amount of your dedication and the amount of material that you so generously curate and bring forth to the collective so that they can receive this and take that in, in a way that's meaningful for them to digest it in the, in, you know, in their homes 
And you know, in podcasts, they're also in their bathtubs and cars and all kinds of places, <laughs> walking to the, walking Sitting to the, the toilet. Right? <laughs> oh, oh, okay, we can go there. Um, every place is sacred. Uh, what are we saying, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but really that intimacy and, you know, the privilege of that. And you just do such an exquisite job and you're so dedicated and you have so much, so much, um, gentleness that you bring to such intense work. And so, you know, I really want to, to honor you and the retreats that you offer and your individual work. And so just bouncing all that good stuff back to you to, oh, to just you. thank you for that. You really do a service for everyone. Thank you so much, Susan. That's, that really means a lot coming from you. And I just, I want to go to your retreat. <laughs> That's what I want to say I right now. Will, please. <laughs> I Yay. may. Yay. You know, I do have a soul contract with Santa Fe, I believe. I have some, there's a lot of energy there for me and around Albuquerque. Um, so you get it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I also had a reading from an astrocartographer not too long ago and he had confirmed that. So that was really cool that my intuition was right on about it based on what he had shared with me too. But um, thank you so much for all that you do, all that you bring, and how you bring people together in such a beautiful, loving, mystical, and mysterious way, like in the best way of mystery, and touching into, for every person and the collective, who we really are and what we're doing here. It's really magical to see you work and know you and... I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. And I know so many women out there are. Thank you. And the world. Oh, it's my pleasure. And and I do work with men too, but um, just, you know, in the collective ways, it's really more dedicated for women. But but mm, I would say okay. to whoever's listening, you know, um, if you want to um, write me, Susan at everydaymedicinewoman.com, and you feel called to do um, some sessions, I I work in this way and um, in the integrative uh, psychotherapy and consultation and fold, fold all of this in to the degree that people are open and receptive. And I do that with people throughout the world or in person in Chicago. So, you know, just to let people know that that's possible as well. That's wonderful. So thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate this time. I appreciate you being here, Susan. And I know everyone can find you at your website, everydaymedicinewoman.com. You're also on Instagram and Facebook. Is that right? That's right. Wonderful. Thank you, Susan. It's been such thank a pleasure. Thank you. Mine as well. Susan, thank you so much for joining us on the show. You are an absolute rainbow sheep, and you just bring a rainbow of colorful gifts and abilities that spark the rainbow in me. Thank you so much for joining us, and thank you all out there for listening. And I hope that you found something interesting and inspiring for you, something that sparks the next thing for you or an interest for you or whatever you take from it. Um, enjoy that. Be sure to check out Susan's retreat that is still open and available for you. If you are a woman and interested in it, check out the link on the show notes at candicewu.com slash Susan. And just a reminder that the Ally with Death Experiential is on sale until January 6th, 2020. So it'll help you cleanse out and end this decade. Isn't that crazy? This decade and step into 2020 with clearer vision, with 2020 vision. That's at candicewu.com slash death. 
And I'm wishing you all just a lovely day. Enjoy today. Take good care of yourself and see what you need for yourself today. Just a drop-in note about my website that there are all of the experientials and meditations for you to search on the database at candiswoo.com slash meditations. So if you're looking for something on um, self-love or something to support healing trauma, intuition, whatever it is that you're wanting for yourself or needing, you can search there and see what shows up. Also, the podcast has its own database at candiswoo.com slash podcast. And you can also search for topics that you're interested in. I always recommend just tuning in and plugging into what you really feel is right for you, what you're called to, what shows up for you. Thanks so much for joining us and looking forward to seeing you next time here on the Embody Podcast. Mm -hmm.